0: And once again, we are so glad that you're with us, especially our guests. We are just tickled pink to have you with us today. Uh, Inside your visitor's packet, you notice that little card. If you don't mind, pass that card to the inside aisle. Be picked up at this time. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're wrapping up a four-lesson series today and tonight. Jesus wants you to grow both spiritually and numerically. Now, I hope you have your steel-toed shoes on because you may feel like I'm stepping on your toes today and tonight. But please keep in mind, anytime you think that I'm pointing at you, remember, if one finger is pointing at you, three fingers are pointing back at me. In other words, in my opinion, anything I say is triple applied to myself. So please keep that in mind. This is the third of a four-part message. But of the four lessons... This evening's message is the most important one. Please don't miss it. Tonight, we're going to ask the question, so what? How to become a contagious Christian? Because all this information that we're sharing, it's worthless if we don't apply it to our lives. You see, it's important. What have we learned so far from last Sunday? Jesus wants you to make a difference. You see, in regarding your five, most likely only you can make a difference for them. Now what is your five? I'm talking about five people. Five people that you deeply love. They mean the world to you. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. But these are five people that are just special to you. But, here's the qualifier. All five of these people are not faithful Christians. They are not faithful Christians. Either they have never, ever obeyed, or if they have obeyed, they're not faithful to the Lord today. Your five, your five are depending on you to make a difference eternally for them. Because if your five don't obey before they die, then it's hell for all eternity. Never ending Now, first principles are super important. We are so fortunate here that we've got Carl and Heath and and Jonathan and and Mike uh, Schuler and others who have been involved in teaching first principles. In fact, of all the congregations I've ever been aware of, this congregation does the best job in teaching first principles. And that's fantastic. But it's time to grow beyond first principles. We don't want our children to stay down in grammar school, do we? We want them to grow up and eventually go to middle school, then junior high, then high school, then maybe college. We don't want them to stay down in those lower grades. God does not want us to stay just on first principles. He wants us to grow beyond just first principles. Go back to the verse that Corbin just read to us. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For by the time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles. Friends, it's not a matter of not knowing. Because most of us, and perhaps all of us, we know. It's not a matter of not knowing. It's a matter of what? Not doing. Not doing. Now, let me say this. If you feel like you just don't have a good grip of what the Bible is all about, definitely, See Carl. See Jonathan. Get signed up for this first principles classes. Take the class. Learn what Christianity is all about. If you don't have a good feel for the Bible as a whole, join us for our map class that we're doing online. But then, when you know it, step up. Step up. For those of us who've been Christians 5, 10, 20 years or more, it's time for us to share our faith, especially with those five people that we deeply love so much. You see, Jesus wants you, make it personal now, Jesus wants you to grow both spiritually and numerically. The story was told about... um, a young man who, um, who, who really, he had a passion. He wanted to be a preacher. Trouble is, trouble is he was so shy. He was so timid. He finally convinced himself to go to preacher school. When he got there, they told him, now you're going to have to, um, you know, all the incoming students have to uh, lead the morning Devo. We take time about. He talked the instructor into letting him be the very last one. But lo and behold, that morning came up. What to do? He got up there. He looked out. And even though he'd been with these guys several, several, several days, he knew them. Suddenly, they're all strangers. Suddenly, it's not just 20 guys or 30 guys. It's 400 or 500 guys in his mind. It's a crowd. And he's shaken. And he's afraid. He gets out the words. He says, who in the audience knows what I'm going to say? I guess there's always going to be some people are going to raise their hand. For any reason, they're going to just raise their hand. So two or three raise their hands. He said, those of you who know what I'm going to say, you tell the people who who don't know what I'm going to say, here's our closing prayer. Uh, You know what? When it comes to sharing their faith, some people are just like that preacher student. They're struck with fear and they don't know what to do. They don't want their friends and family to spend eternity in hell, but they likewise don't know how. How to share their faith. Does that describe you? Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, where the Bible will show us how to grow both spiritually and numerically and how to introduce people to Jesus even those who might be hostile to this attempt 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 therefore laying aside all malice all deceit hypocrisy envy and all evil speaking what is peter talking about let's grow we were like this, but it's time now for us to grow. We're, we're believers, we're followers of Jesus. As newborn babes, we start off as babes in Christ. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Circle that word, grow. We're talking about growing both spiritually and numerically If indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That's a rhetorical question we have. We know he's gracious. Coming to him as to a dead stone. Does it say that? No, living stone. Living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You and I through our obedience, are chosen by God. You also, as living stones, are being built up to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? God is building a spiritual house. Not with bricks and mortar, but with living stones like you and me. So if we want to overcome your fear to introduce people to Jesus, know what? Know that you are part of a holy temple. You are not by yourself. We're part of a holy temple. We are part of a team. We never go by ourselves. Jesus is along for the ride each and every time. Grow spiritually. Grow spiritually by truly living for Jesus 24-7. You know, it's so easy to do that on Sunday morning. But do we do it 24-7 on Monday at work, Friday evening at play, Saturday, you are no mere human. You are a Christian. You're a Christian. God has given you His Son, Christ, Jesus Christ. God has given you fellow Christians to lean on, to help you. Verse 6, Therefore, it is also contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him... Do you believe? He who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. We don't have to be ashamed of anything. We don't have to back down from anything as long as it's associated with Jesus. Jesus. Therefore to you who believe he is precious but to those who are disobedient the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense they stumble being disobedient being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed faith is a choice And if your five choose not to believe in Jesus, they will stumble and fall over Him. Friends, you are not responsible for their decision. You are only responsible for getting the message to them. What they do with the message, that's between them and God. You're not responsible for their decision. But Michael, I know what you're saying. But Michael, if I try to share my faith with my five, some will hate me and I will cause disharmony in my family. Guess what? You are completely correct. Okay? You're correct. Some people may end up hating you. You might cause disharmony in your family. But look at the other side of the coin. I myself have had 11 different sets of five in my life. I have now worked on 55 people so far. Of those 55 people, a total of 14 would no longer describe me as a friend. I still look at them as a friend, but they would not see me. As a friend, if they don't repent, they will spend eternity in hell, but they can't blame me because I tried to get the message to them. They can only blame themselves. You know what? There was a song growing up, Danny, you know this song. The song is called, You Never Mention Him to Me. That song as a kid just scared me. It brought cold shivers down my back. How about you? Notice the words of the song. When in the better land, before the bar we stand, how deeply grieved our souls will be if any lost one there should cry in deep despair. You, you, you never mentioned him to me. You never mentioned him to me. You helped me not the way to see. You met me day by day and knew I was astray, yet never mentioned him to me. Oh, let us spread the word where'er it may be heard. Help, groping souls, the light to see that yonder none may say, You showed me not the way. You never mentioned Him to me. You never mentioned Him to me. You helped me not the way to see. You helped me. You met me day by day and knew I was astray. Yet never mention him to me. A few sweet words. May God have lost one to his side, or turn sad eyes on Calvary, so work as days go by that yonder none may cry. You, you never. Mention Him to me. You never mentioned Him to me. You helped me not the way to see. You met me day by day and knew I was astray. Yet never mentioned Him to me. Does that bring cold shivers down your back like it does me? Would you risk, would you risk four of your five hating you if you knew that one might become a Christian and spend eternity in heaven? I would rather have my five hate me if it causes at least some of my five to become a Christian. Look at the options. Either they're a Christian in heaven or they're not a Christian. It's hell. Eternity in hell. Here's my key for this lesson. You must make triple sure. I first put double sure and I thought, no, 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 no. I'm going to change that. Triple sure. You must make triple sure your five can see Jesus in you at all times. At all times. Not just on Sunday, but 24-7. Growing spiritually by truly living for Jesus 24-7. If you do that, the church will grow numerically. Why do I have spiritually before numerically? Why? Because if you're growing spiritually, we will automatically grow numerically. Automatically grow numerically. Hebrews 13, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share. Primarily the writer here is talking about sharing our blessings, helping out. But let's make a secondary application. Sharing the good word of Jesus sharing the good word of Jesus. Before I got here, going back eight years, in fact, it's eight and a half years, I had a conversation with such a dear, sweet Christian woman. She, in the matter of our conversation, she mentioned two of her friends. Two of her friends that... uh, We're not Christians. We had our worship services and and other Bible videos available. I asked her, have you ever shared them with these two friends? Here's what she said. Quote, I'll never forget the quote. If I shared, then my friends might ask me Bible questions. That's what she said to me. Here is what I shouted back at her. You want your friends asking you Bible questions. You want them asking you Bible questions. You want them seeking. You want them asking you questions. Well, what if they ask me a question I don't know how to answer? Bingo, guess what? I've been there myself. You say, I'll go and find the answer go to one of our elders, go to me, go to Billy, go to whoever and say, hey, can you help me? We don't want to keep our Bibles closed Monday through Saturday. We want those Bibles open. We want those five asking us Bible questions. Why do you do that? Why do you have such confidence? Why are you always so positive? Why, why, why? Because we've got Bible answers. To those Bible questions. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means 24-7. That means truly making a difference with the people around us. Can your five, can your five see the priority you place on God? And his church, can they see that priority, that number one priority? December 4th, 2017, over 400 musicians gathered in Philadelphia. Remember that shot of Rocky, you know, going up and down the steps, you know, and he's jumping up and down, you know, he's he's conquered the steps. Over 400 musicians gathered on those steps to play music. They were playing music on broken instruments. Horns that were missing keys. String instruments that were missing a string or two. Instruments that were broken. But those 400 musicians together gathered up in those used, old, broken instruments and their are Their presentation was beautiful. Now, what were they doing? They were there to gather attention there in Philadelphia to a proposal to cut funding for ban in all schools, all high schools. And they were trying to show what you could do even with broken instruments. Folks, like that orchestra, the church is made up of broken, imperfect people. Members, you and me. But working together with Jesus, we can make beautiful music, the music of obedience. You know, the music of obedience convicts the soul. Yes, the Lord's church is not perfect. I realize that because it's composed of people like me. But think for just a moment. Do you talk down the Lord's church? Do you have fried elder and barbecued preacher for Sunday lunch? Or do you talk up the Lord's church? I have a cousin that for many years would talk down the church. And she didn't even realize that she would, you know, after church service, she, well, I, I, that's, that song leader, I don't know why he picked out those songs. Those were horrible songs. And that guy that prayed, he prayed way too long. And, and that lesson, that sermon, it just didn't really touch me. I mean, it was horrible. You know, she was always talking down the church. And she didn't even realize it. So one day I decided, okay, I'm going to get the message to her. So I sat down with her and I started saying, you know, that Lisa, you won't believe what all she's done. And I started like the next 30 minutes, it was talk down Lisa, everything I could say, everything I could come up with. I was just talking down Lisa. Finally, my cousin said, well, why don't you just leave her? And I said, everything I've just said about Lisa is not true. None of it was true. But you treat the bride of Christ like I was treating my bride in those words. Are we proud of the Lord's church? Are we proud of the Lord's church? Or do we want to hide? Do we want to conceal? the Lord's Church. I was for many years a member of Rotary. I was on Rotary board for many years. Here's the reason why I selected Rotary over some other various local service clubs, because I visited those clubs when I was young. And I would ask, well, why are you a member of this club? And they would say, well, it's because it's got the best meals. You know, we we always have a meal. It has the best food, uh, uh, convenient time, uh, uh, maybe uh, because my friend was a member or it's close by. You know, they come up with these reasons. But then when I went to Rotary, I asked, they started talking about, well, we're a member of Rotary because what Rotary does, you know, it's, uh, their motto is service above self and all these projects that we're involved in and making our community and the world a better place. And hey, those people were proud of Rotary Club. So I joined Rotary Club. Are we proud of the Lord's church? Are we proud Of the church. If you want to overcome your fear to introduce people to Jesus, know that you are part of a holy temple, then know that you are one of God's special people. Verse 9 But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're special people. Exodus chapter 19, there, God's people are called what? A special treasure. We're special. True, the media is against Christianity. I can't change that. They are but you can still feel good about the Lord's church, no matter what people in the media may say. Because why? Because you are royalty. We are special. We are God's children. God said so. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. If you are royalty, and you are, then just be who you are 24-7. Be the witness that God has called you to be. Now, let's look at verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct. This is being a Christian 24-7. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. This is how you influence people who are indifferent or even hostile to the faith. You do it by the kind of life you live that reflects who you are in Christ. Why did little children run to Jesus? You know, little children are pretty good judges of uh, character. They know who to run to. People should run to us because we are reflection of Jesus. A letter from a mid-second-century Christian. I've got a lot of uh, books, documents, uh, all from early Christians. In one particular letter, the Christian writes, you know, about all the horrible things they're doing to Christians. Is a letter about giving up? Well, I just I'm going to give up. Hey, I tried, but hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. No, the letter is a letter of conviction. No matter what they do, we're going to be Christians. And in the letter, he says, I pray that I always will be Christ-like. Christ-like. Those second century believers suffered a whole lot, but by their example, they influenced the world. They really did. Your life itself is a witness to a watching world, and they are just waiting to see if Jesus really makes a real difference in you. How do we end all of our online classes here? It is our hope, it is our wish, it is our prayer that we all live for Jesus 24-7. If you want to overcome your fear of introducing people to Jesus, then just know who you are. And be who you are. Know that you are part of God's holy temple and that you belong to God's special people designed to be what? A living display of His greatness. Then live that way. Live your life in such a way that even your accusers come to see Christ in you. Dr. Elias Santana was not a Christian, but I have to say this, he left a mark on a community. Dr. Santana dealt with most of his patients, were very wealthy people. He made a lot of money. He turned that money, a big part of that money, into free medical care. He set up free medical clinics all through the slums of Chicago. And he was making a difference with people. Making their lives better. Helping them to get off the drugs. Dr. Santana was actively taking recruits from the gangs. One of the gang leaders was asked about this. Hey, Dr. Santana is taking people from your numbers. What do you say? Here's what he said. What can I say? Dr. Santana has earned the right to be heard. You and I need to earn it. You and I do the same. Earn the right to be heard by the way we live our lives. Be who you are in Jesus and reflect his love to a dark and broken world. World. Grow spiritually. How? By truly living for Jesus 24 7. Don't just say it, but do it. If you do that, the church will grow numerically. I promise you that. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about practical ways that we're going to do this. So come back tonight. Meanwhile, you know how I end all of my sermons. Been doing it for a long time. I'm not going to change. God's plan of salvation. I could put up several, several different verses up there to prove these points to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. I have chosen these particular ones because these are all the words of Jesus. Okay? You're not saying no to me. You're saying no to Jesus if you don't obey. As a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? He will forgive. 1 John 1, 9, The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. We're going to have two elders down here waiting for you. Will you make that decision today as we stand and sing for your encouragement?